with lots of time. What a throw! Robin one for the end zone. So this weekend we saw uh, number five Notre Dame uh, travel to Columbus to play number two overall Ohio State. College game day was there. I think it was probably the most anticipated game uh, of week one, maybe one of the biggest uh, of the entire college football season. Uh, You know, Notre Dame came out, had the lead going into the half, and then uh, didn't really do anything after that. What was your – Overall, just uh, first glance, biggest takeaway from from that game? Uh, my biggest takeaway is that this is not Brian Kelly's Notre Dame anymore. Because mm-hmm. although, although the offense didn't really do the defense many favors, they kept Ohio State pretty much in check for most of the game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, the defense played very well. Um, really, I, I think we talked about it before. Ohio State has – what I think is probably the second best running back in college with Travion Henderson, arguably the best receiver in Jackson Smith and Jigba, and the maybe the second best QB in CJ Stroud, and really kind of shut them down for for the first half, and and they never really exploded. I mean, we saw them last year that whole offense just absolutely blow teams out of the water that had good defenses, and now you see them only put up 21 points. I, I think that's a pretty good sign for Notre Dame. Yeah, it was definitely an improvement because, you know, they don't have the best record in uh, big-time matchups in the past few years, but that was a closer game than I predicted it to be, and I think most people mm-hmm. expected it to be. Yeah, even as a Notre Dame fan, I was super concerned going into this game. Um, I, I, I should always kind of feel confident in Notre Dame because, you know, I'm a fan, but it, it's tough to st- it's tough to be – um, optimistic when you're going in and playing a team that I think could win the national championship this year. And you're there, they're returning a lot of very good players. So I, I, I do think that one of the bigger takeaways though would be how good Ohio state's defense looked, um, oh, yeah. that, that new look under, uh, Jim Knowles, I think is pretty crazy. You know, usually the defense is what hurt them last year. And in the past few years, they haven't had, they've had dominant defenders, but never really dominant defenses. I don't think compared to what their offense puts on the field. So that's, I think, what makes Ohio State an even bigger threat to win the Natty this year. And and really, the, the halftime adjustments just shut down Tyler Buckner and that whole Notre Dame offense. Yeah, for sure. I think Jim Knowles, you could tell the Ohio State defense had a different swagger than they normally have. Mm-hmm. They, like I said, you always have talented players that end up going to the NFL, but they played as a whole unit, and Notre Dame couldn't really figure them out. And there's no question that their defense won them this game. Yep. Yeah. I, I completely agree about that. And it's not, they don't really have, I don't think, a ton of big names on defense either, which just proves like that system is. I mean, they obviously have four and five star guys, but it just proves how good that system is that Jim Knowles has put into place. And it was really, it looks like it could be the missing piece for, for Ohio State if they're going to make a real run at a national championship this year and compete with the the Georgias and Alabamas of the world. I, I This team. Looks very good, but Notre Dame, I think, played them so tough. And you had a really good tweet, I thought, kind of acknowledging that it, when Notre Dame loses by 11, they're uh, regarded as overrated. But when number 11 Georgia travels across the country just to kick a field goal 
or number 11, Oregon travels across the country just to kick a field goal against Georgia. It's not a big deal. Like the alarms aren't going off. So, you know, Notre Dame really, I think, silenced a lot of the haters just by being that close in the game with Tyler Buckner as their starter too, a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience. Yeah, I mean, even for me, I'm notoriously a Notre Dame. I wouldn't say a hater, but I'm rough on them. Mm-hmm. And I would take away this is a pretty positive game. It's the first game of the Marcus Freeman era. You don't get blown out. You play Ohio State close. Like, there's a lot to take away that you can feel good about yourself. Yeah, it, it's, it, it was a, definitely a, a good showing, I think. And it is kind of crazy. Uh, Marcus Freeman's first two games of the year, or of his career, with Notre Dame are both against Jim Knowles' defenses. So it's maybe we just need to stop playing teams that Jim Knowles is the DC of, and and we'll see some success and, and some wins. But Notre Dame's got Marshall this week, so should be a good bounce back for him. Beat up on another team, which will be nice. But yeah, overall, I was pretty pleased with with what I saw out of um, out of Notre Dame. Obviously, I'd like to see the offense be better, but um, it, when you're playing a team as good as. Uh, Ohio State. It's going to be very difficult to generate a lot of generate a lot uh, in that game against a team like that. Yeah. So the next game I want to talk about was, uh, you know, Oregon versus Georgia. Well, I I would I, I don't say I wanted to talk about this because I really did not look forward to talking about this. Yeah. But um, this is the next game we're going to talk about. Um, obviously Georgia blows out Oregon. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Um. So going into it. I was in my head. I was kind of like, you know, this could be a close game. Um, I didn't think like upset potential, but I just looked at how much Georgia lost. I mean, three of their four to starting defensive linemen, first round picks. Their two starting linebackers from last year, Quay Walker and Kobe Dean, got drafted, and their starting safety, Lewis Seen, got drafted. They also lose the guy that was the the guy running that defense in Dan Lanning. So I, I thought this game might be a little bit closer, but it just was was a beatdown right off the rip and just proved that, like, the SEC truly is different. Uh, maybe not compared to, like, the Big Ten, but when you compare it to the Pac-12, they just don't stand close. I mean, we saw that in another game this week with Utah-Florida, which we'll talk about. But it, it just the SEC is just so different compared to a conference like the Pac-12 where the best teams in the Pac-12 – can't even put up a touchdown against the best teams in the SEC. It's truly nuts. Yeah, I think what you said about um, the Big Ten and the SEC is very accurate. I think they're 1A and 1B at the far and away the best conferences. The Pac-12 is mm-hmm. a mess. And, uh, yeah, I was disgusted watching this game as an Oregon fan. Uh, I feel like you're driving the ball pretty okay, like your first two drives. But Bo Nix is just so not the answer. Yeah, I, I was talking to some buddies about Bo Nix. Just like, you know, he came into his college career so hot beating Oregon and, you know, looking pretty solid at Auburn and then just fizzled out. Then he transfers to Oregon. And I, I kind of thought maybe this is going to be the revival of Bo Nix's career. Maybe he'll be that guy. And he just proved that he's clearly not that guy. He might be that guy when it comes to playing Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal. But he's not going to be that guy when you really need him most in the big game. Yeah, and uh, just two other quick things I want to add about Oregon. One, there was a slight positive takeaway. There was no sacks. So, I mean, I guess you could, you know, if you're looking for silver lining, I guess the offensive line wasn't too much of a problem. Yeah. But, yeah, um, 
yeah, there's not much positive to say. Uh, I am concerned about how Bo Nix was looking pretty rough and Ty Thompson didn't even get a snap. That kind of concerns me. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, especially when you're down by that much, why not try and mix it up? I just don't understand riding with Nix for that long. It just – he clearly wasn't getting the job done. Even when you're down by, like, by 21, I mean, there's still – a chance to get back in the game, make that switch early on. And this game could be a little different. I don't think it ends up as a win for Oregon, but it looks a lot more respectable in the, uh, on the stat sheet. It just overall was just an absolute brutal beatdown. that. I don't even think I really watched any to much of the second half because there were better games on at this hour. And I I couldn't stand to watch that Oregon team just get beaten down. Yeah. uh, Unfortunately, I, I sat through the pain, uh, you're a warrior. <laughs> yeah, I sat through it. Um, yeah, but it, it was rough, man. I, I don't know where we go from here. I think we'll still be okay in Pac-12 play, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bo Nix has to stop being the other team's best player, but yep. if we could stop that, maybe we'll be all right. But I think, like I said with Ty Thompson, you have a lot more respect from the players if you try to make something happen, even when you're down big. Yep. But, you know, yeah, you know, I, don't I, lose it, that bad. It's you just got to try something at that point. It's so demoralizing. I mean, and it, it almost felt a lot like the year USC went and played Bama, and there was a lot of hype around it. And USC just walked out and got absolutely thumped. I mean, it just felt a lot like that, where you get a very hyped-up Pac-12 team against a solidified SEC team, the top of, you know, uh, top of the class or top of the conference, and they just get absolutely beat down. It, it was brutal to watch and, and, and just proves that – I don't know if it proves that the SEC is on that much of a better level or if the Pac-12 just isn't even close to being on the same level as other conferences. I I really – maybe it's a mix of both, but it was definitely eye-opening. Yeah. All right. So my last thought here, because I want to stay on Oregon too long because I could talk all day about it, but Mm -hmm. it really pains me to think, like, I really think we squandered our opportunity at a national championship when Justin Herbert was there. I I feel like if we just ran, like, an offense that he was comfortable in, that was our chance to win it, Addy. Yeah, I mean, you look at him in the NFL now. He's got a huge arm. He's got the receivers around him. And then I remember watching him in the Rose Bowl, I believe, against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. He ran for, like, 86 yards and three touchdowns. Like, that's not the offense that Justin Herbert should have been running at all. It, it, no. It, it, just, it, it was really, like you said, they, they squandered a natty chance and just a complete misuse of a great player. Yeah, because his arm is just so ridiculous. That uh, is kind of mind-boggling that they didn't – that they just didn't really utilize him in the proper way. It was almost like they just had an offense in set and were just like, all right, you're the guy that is going to run this offense. We're not going to tailor anything around you. This is, it's my way or the highway pretty much. Yeah, exactly, because we were throwing so many screens with him. Uh, it, was, it was just – I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Traumatic. Um, all right, so next up we have another – uh, Pac-12 versus SEC matchup with Florida-Utah. And now, mm-hmm. I had Utah, before I said they were my double digits. Uh, I, I, was I, I thought the same thing. I was wrong, evidently. But I want to talk about Anthony Richardson, because he was unreal. Yeah. I, you know, my biggest thing is, as I, you know, I agreed with you on the, um, on Utah winning by double digits. And, I am one of my biggest points of contention was, you know, we haven't really seen much of Anthony Richardson. 
Didn't see a ton of him in uh, in 2021. It didn't look great in 2021, but I mean, he he was an absolute machine against. I think I still think even though they lost, I still think against a very good Utah team, and it really kind of broke out and, and solidified himself as one of the best QBs in the SEC. Yeah, I, I cannot wait for next Saturday to be able to see more of Anthony Richardson. That's how I left that game. I was so hyped up. I'm normally, normally a little anti Florida. Yep. But I left that game like I cannot wait to watch this kid again. It, it should be exciting next week. I mean, you get a battle of, I think, like two guys that get overshadowed by Bryce Young with Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. So I think that would actually be a pretty fun matchup between the – and it's also two teams that are, I still think, pretty good could finish around like seven and five to nine and three with both Kentucky and Florida. So that's actually gonna be a very, very exciting matchup. Uh, and especially with just how good Richardson played is just going to be absolutely thrilling. Yeah. I still can't believe the way Utah lost though. They were on the goal, like pretty much on the goal line. And the one thing you can't have happen happens. It, what, what hurt me even more was I had, you know, I, I, I it was my lock of the week with, uh, Utah minus three, and I was like, all right, they're they're about to score. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna put an end to this. Uh, the, the the Florida Gator fans' hopes. They're gonna absolutely kill them right now and just put, drive a dagger in their heart. And then I saw that interception. My stomach just sank. I was so disappointed. Yeah, so was I because I wanted Utah to win. I was hoping the Pac-12 would get some respect back, and unfortunately, he did not. Yeah. Hey, uh, USC beat Rice. I think that's a big respect game for the for the the Pac-12, earning earning some respect. Yep, oh, they had three pick sixes too. So they all the defense had twenty one points. They were they're on a heater. It, it but yeah, it, this Florida team looks pretty fun. I mean, where where do you think they'll end up kind of ranking this upcoming week? Like, where do you think they slot in? Definitely the top twenty five, I'd imagine. So Utah or Florida? Uh, no, Florida. Oh. Florida, um, yeah, sorry, I didn't hear you said. Uh, I would say, uh, probably, yeah, definitely in the top twenty-five because that was a that was a good showing, and that was I don't yeah. think either team like I know Utah lost, but it wasn't in an embarrassing fashion. Like, that was just a really good game. Hmm. I, I yeah, say it, that Florida it, comes in around twenty. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, it, they were Utah was the number seven team in the country. I wonder where they drop. Um, maybe into like around like 14, 15, I, I, I guess somewhere in that range, but a lot of teams, I don't know how much shakeup there's going to be after week one, but, uh, yeah, it was, I, I just, Anthony Richardson just played so good and, and really just, I think surprise, he surprised me. I can tell he surprised you and, and overall just, I think surprised the whole nation, just put everybody on watch for this Florida team, which is pretty concerning. Yeah, it is because Florida is one of those teams where when they have a great quarterback, they can do damage. Yeah, it, it's well, the years that they've had, like you said, the years they've had good quarterbacks have been very successful ones for the Gators. So that that's definitely concerning if you're not a fan of them. But uh, on the on the other side, I didn't think you like you said Utah played pretty good. Cameron Rising had 216 yards passing with a touchdown and a pick, but the real star for them was Tavion Thomas with 115 yards and a touchdown. He, I really thought the, the key for this game was going to be that Thomas, just with how big he is, and he stands at around 6'2 or 6'3, 240 pounds, was just going to wear down the Gators' defense. It was just going to make life very difficult for that defense and just have them so tired that Utah was going to be able to then 
go go to the air attack, but that didn't really that didn't really uh, happen. No, yeah, this was a solid performance from Florida. I think this is a, a great way to start your season as any team is beating a number seven yeah. team in the country and doing it in a fashion where you know you had some adversity and you still came out on top. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I completely agree. All right, so the next game, I know you're going to want to talk about this one because I certainly couldn't wait. But uh, Brian Kelly's first game at Notre Dame versus Florida State. Uh, you have anything you want to talk about with this game? Because I'm sure you do. Other than I, I, I decided to remind Twitter about 10 times last night that Brian Kelly did kill a kid at Notre Dame, yeah. even though I defended him uh, very much when people would bring that up when he was the Notre Dame head coach. But I, I – other like, Honestly, my biggest takeaway was Brian Kelly just did not instill confidence in, I think, any player or fan of LSU when he comes out at halftime and, and is just like, yeah, we can't play worse than that, or maybe we can, I don't know. That's just over – I mean, that you just don't say that. That's just so bad as a coach and a guy that's supposed to lead a team. And really – and it wasn't even a big score differential. If Dan Lanning said that – uh, at, at halftime of the Georgia-Oregon game, I'd understand it more. The, the, the score wasn't this monstrous deficit for LSU. So for him to say that, I thought that was almost like the nail in their coffin. Uh, j- just watching that happen, I was like, oh, this is the, the low energy and the, the, the just look of despair on his face. I, I absolutely loved it, but felt bad for LSU fans. Yeah, one of my takeaways from this was that Brian Kelly is not great at talking to the media. It's terrible. Oh, what, what was the other one he had a few uh, a few months ago? Uh, when he said, uh, same thing, uh, I think Notre Dame lost to Florida State, and he said that uh, he's a fan of execution. Yes, that's what it was. That It was when they beat him. They barely beat him because it was yeah, the game yeah, that Kevin Milton came in and almost yeah. won it for Florida State, and he was like, yeah, I'm a fan of execution or, like, maybe execute – like or, uh, in many different ways. It was something to that extent. And, yeah, he's just t- – he thinks he's, like, making a joke and just – it comes off so bad to the media. Yeah, and then he said the one thing, too, about uh, Malik Neighbors, who uh, fumbled both punts. And he said, uh, <laughs> you evaluate him through four weeks of practice and you feel comfortable that with his elite skill set and his mindset that he's going to be able to do a great job. And that wasn't the case. This was a mistake. Like, dude, that's terrible. Like, I mean, sure, like, everyone knows it was a mistake having him back there. Yeah. But going out and saying that, like, not defending your player, you're still one of the bots. It, it, it's that whenever you see that overall, no matter who you root for, and obviously I'm rooting against LSU with Kelly, it's just such a terrible look. You never throw your players under the bus. Uh, it, it's just overall, like, that's, a, I think, the, almost the worst look of this entire game. And there were a lot of bad looks for LSU in this. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels and uh, Kishan Butte clearly were not on the same page. I don't know if you watched the whole game, but there was clearly something going on with the two of them. Yeah, it was uh, it just they never looked in sync like the whole offense, uh, like the entire game just never looked like they could catch a rhythm. And like you said, didn't look like really anybody, especially when your best player and your starting quarterback are on the same page. That's really an issue. Yeah, and I know uh, Boucher almost transferred in the offseason. Brian Kelly came in from the stay. And then right after the game, he goes and deletes all the LSU stuff from his Instagram. And the morning after, takes everything LSU off his uh, Twitter. So. That's wild. That's wild. That uh, damn. That that's. I saw the Instagram thing. I didn't know about Twitter too. Like that. That is pretty crazy. I, I'm curious as the yeah. To, uh, 
what the outcome of that will be. Yeah, me either. I, I feel like he's going to end up – well, I don't think he can transfer. I think he's just going to go pro. I don't think he can transfer. Yeah, I'd imagine he probably just goes pro. Yeah, because he's going to be an early pick, either first or second round. But, mm-hmm. yeah, there was just something wrong. I feel like Jaden Daniels – I think I know the problem was that Jaden Daniels just kept scrambling every single time. Yeah. And that probably gets annoying when you're a receiver who's trying to make a name for himself. Yeah, and – you know, Daniels was efficient on his legs, but you don't want that out of your quarter. You don't want your quarterback in an offense where you're looking to throw the ball running 16 times. Granted, it was four over 100 yards, but that's just not, not ideal, especially when you have a, a very solid receiving core. Yeah, and that, that's going to get annoying, too, because, like, you know, you're looking for these targets, you're putting everything to every route, and then you turn around for the ball, and the quarterback's already running. Like, Yeah. It was literally like the second he'd catch the, catch the snap. If he didn't, if his first read wasn't there, even if he looked at his first read, he was already out of the pocket and already gone. It, it was yeah, overall, and I, you know, Daniel was a guy I was kind of high on as well. I thought he'd be pretty good in that LSU offense, or even in the SEC, I thought he'd look pretty good. But just overall, not a good night for LSU. And I think one thing, even though I was rooting against him, I, I did hate seeing Mason Smith go down oh, yeah, uh, with too. the knee. He's a hell of a player and just. It sucks in the way that it happened with him just celebrating a tackle, which which is just so brutal. And then a few plays later, they almost lose another one of their really good defensive players in Ojolari with a knee injury, but he was back in the game. Just the the night never clicked for LSU, and I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the majority of it. And and the special teams there is is the real takeaway, though. Um, Oh, my God, yes. You mentioned the two muff punts already, but – they had a kick. I, I do think people forget they had a kick blocked, I believe, in I think the first or second quarter. Um, and then they missed the, the extra point gets blocked. So it, it's just I, whoever they're, I don't know who their special teams coach is, but I, I don't think he's their special teams coach anymore oh after that. That's just so bad. Yeah, you should go. If you watch the uh, play for the blocked uh, field goal at the end of the game, or the blocked extra point, it was so bad. The guy on the left side of the line. It, there's, it's just, so there's three uh, offense. There's three guys like protecting, and there's four attacking. And uh, the guy just slides all the guys to the left and just leaves a direct path open to the center of the football. That's, it was such that's, a bad. It, that's that's just again like that comes back on the coaches, not the players. Really, it, it's just such a bad look on them to have game plan so so poorly. Uh, and I don't know, but I, I guess. Coming off a little bit of LSU, uh, I thought Florida State looked very good. I thought Jordan Travis looked good, especially he takes an absolute lick right to the mouth and still delivers an absolute dime of a touchdown pass. I thought that was just a play that really, well, it was still early on, would just set the difference between Florida State and LSU as two different teams. It's and it was they were fun to watch, and it pained me to have to root for Florida State as a Notre Dame fan, but I did have fun doing it. I don't think it'll happen again this year, but it was entertaining. Yeah, Jordan Travis looked really good to me. Uh, it was actually very exciting. He made a lot of plays, but I was like, wow. I remember the one, uh, the jump pass for first down. That was impressive. It was like 15 yards. Yeah. So that impressed me. Um, I also thought the two transfer receivers they had, Micah Pittman, who was, uh, mm-hmm. was at Oregon. He looked pretty good. And then uh, Johnny Wilson, who came from Arizona State. The two of them made plays. Yeah. Yeah, they, they balled out. Obviously, the, the big name for them 
was uh, Wilson, but or uh, Ontario Wilson. But yeah, like you said transfer guys coming in and really being efficient and solid was, I, I think, the biggest thing for Florida State and just kind of prove that maybe they're not back, but like they're a very efficient team and I think a very scary team to have to if you have to play them down the line this season. They're a team you're going to want to avoid. Yeah, one more thing I want to talk about with Florida State is that flea flicker call. Beautiful. Oh, it was so beautiful. Great. So yeah. great. Wilson yeah, you go on with that. That, that was just an awesome play call. Yeah, Wilson catching it too, and just staring down the TV too when he was on the ground. Like that is, that was like the kind of energy you need to beat a team where like it's a neutral site game, but it's not really like you know you're in the Superdome. It's very LSU heavy. Like that was oh, setting yeah. the tone. Did you see uh, the end of the game uh, when the Florida State players were going up to like all the LSU frat kids and they're like screaming at them, flipping them off, and the the, the Florida State kids are just like laughing right in their face. I thought that was so great. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, one more thing. My last thought on this game was back to the uh, blocked extra point. That is a yep. grade A example of why you go for two. Oh, you have to. You have to. You go for the win, and you at least it, give, you guarantee yourself a chance to win. Jeez. Yeah, it, it just – and like you said, I, I always think, like, uh, if you're at home, you go for you, – you go for the tie. If you're on the road, you go for the win. But, I mean, in that scenario, with how bad you've played all night, just go for the win. You, you got to make that call and go for two. Yeah, I, I said – I tweeted, go for two if you score. And then the whole sequence leading us, the 99-yard drive, the out-of-bounds that was later inbounds, that was a roller coaster, like, emotionally draining drive for – like everyone involved, so I feel like you just go for the win just to get out of there. Fifty-fifty chance. Instead, you don't even give yourself a chance. Yeah, just just pretty wild. I I do think it was crazy that LSU was starting a kid at center that had never played center prior, along with a freshman tackle. That's just again, like I don't, I don't know if that's poor coaching, poor recruiting, whatever it may be. It just was not smart game planning, especially for a Florida State D-line that looked very good. They brought a lot of pressure, lots of stunts, and, and were really getting after Jaden Daniels while he was in the pocket. Yeah, I think they brought in an All-American transfer as Jared Verse, I think. He was from uh, Albany, and he, he had yep. two sacks. He was unreal because he was against that freshman tackle, and he made his day rough. Oh, oh yeah, and that's what you have to do. You can't, you can't, if you know you've got that matchup, you can't go easy. You just got to go balls to the wall and, and make that kid's life hell and make it so he doesn't want to play college football anymore. It, yeah. it was uh, – that was fun to – definitely fun to watch. He, he's an exciting player and a guy I'll definitely be following this season and see how his season kind of uh, transpires. Yeah, so the next game we want to talk about was uh, – I guess we'll go to UNC App State. Because speaking of roller coasters, that was, uh, that was something. Yeah. <laughs> Something, but it was a, a, a whole lot of fun. I'll, I'll say oh, that. Yeah, yeah so, like, uh, did you see the onside kick where uh, UNC returned it and they just pancaked everyone on App State's uh, kickoff team? It was like they did it in with, with almost like they were a, a band or like a, a dance group where they all did it at the exact same time. Like you just saw a bunch of UNC bodies dive and then a lot of App State bodies hit the floor. It was nuts. Yeah, it was like it was in sync. It was the craziest like video I've ever seen. Like, and then I, I'm, I, about, just, I just rewatched it. You literally see three App State bodies hit the floor at the same time. Yeah, and uh, how about App State? Right, you score 
40 points in the fourth quarter and lose. Like, that yeah, very is, often, it's not going to happen for you, which is crazy. Yeah, I saw North Carolina's uh, defense coordinator, Gene Chizik, said uh, it was an implosion by our defense in the fourth quarter, which is probably a bit of an understatement. Uh, I, I'd say so. It was, uh, but it, it was honestly kind of fun to see a guy like Chase Bryce just light it up. I mean, I remember him at Clemson, and, and then getting his getting his job taken with uh, the amount of guys they bring in, like Trevor Lawrence and in DJ. And now it's kind of nice to see him light up UNC and throw for six touchdowns and over three hundred and fifty yards. I thought that was just super entertaining. Yeah, no, me too. It was a great game. I'll, I'll say that uh, Drake May. Might might be it at North Carolina. He might be better than Sam Howell. Yeah, I I, I just think every year. Oops, whoops, video turned on. I think every year you get a uh, UNC very. They get very hyped up, and like I kind of hopped off that a little bit when they had Howell, just because it was a year after year thing. You'd see that now with Drake May, it's just he seems like he is the man, which is pretty cool. Like he he played out of his mind and almost lost. He threw again for over 350 yards and four touchdowns. Like that, you shouldn't lose if you do that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. And it's nice to see uh, that was an out there best receiver, Josh Downs, too. So he put up those stats with you know playing with a guy who isn't their best player. Yeah. Do you think that like when teams schedule App State, it's not their beat up game, but like is a like their smaller conference game, is that just one of the biggest mistakes they can make? Because even if you don't lose, you're going to get absolutely worked. Yeah, App State is officially on the do not schedule list as like an out of conference. Like, because you're going to lose to them or they're going to give you a really tough game. But yeah, they're just consistently, they're a good program. That's what it is. Yeah, it, it's, they're, they're oh man, it, it, they, that App State every year, they'll give somebody, some giant uh, Power 5 school, an absolute heart attack. Yeah, so the last game I wanted to talk about was, uh, someone said this was a meme game, but did you see the Iowa, um, the Iowa game? Of course I saw that Iowa game. It was, uh, it was something else. I don't know how to really describe it, but, you know, it's a fun game when you look at the box score. And it says that in the second half, Iowa scored two points in the third quarter and two points in the fourth. I mean, <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah, I think it's even uh, funnier that uh, Kirk Ferentz said he does not anticipate any uh, quarterback changes going forward, which is very concerning because I think in his last eight games, he has one touchdown and seven interceptions. Jesus Christ. That is it. Yeah, what's uh, but per, Petrus had I think what was it like a one point one over uh a one point one QBR passer rating something in that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one point one. Jesus. And the worst part was one that it came in a win, right? Because that's and two, it was for Iowa, which isn't a bad program. Like you expect that from like some really bad teams, like uh maybe Rutgers under Chris Ash, maybe your Utah Huskies uh like last year. But Iowa, <laughs> this is a good program. Like, this should not be happening. Oh, no, it, it, not at all. And Iowa's always a team that, like, you think should be good. Uh-huh. But they – like, every year you think they're going to be consistent. You think they're going to be tough. And then they pull a game like this. It's very concerning. 
Yeah, and the fact that they really shouldn't have won this game, to be honest. Their defense was just good enough. I mean, their defense scored more points than the offense. They, they outscored them by one point. <laughs> Which is usually if that happens, like, oh, it was a pick six or or they blocked a punt or something. Nope. Two safeties. Yeah, it was two safeties, and that, that was enough to outscore the offense. That should be very concerning. I think it's even worse that uh, their offensive coordinator got a raise in the summer. That's crazy. That That's even crazier. Yeah, I mean, maybe he got the raise because he's able to win games with Peters at quarterback. Maybe revoke that raise, see if that's possible. Yeah, but okay, you think you're going to get that back? <laughs> um. So Were there we, any other games that, that piqued your interest? Um, no, not really. USC looked good. Uh, I saw Quinn Ewer's car got uh, towed. Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. It's Aston Martin. Yeah, his car got towed during the game. So that was pretty funny. But no, other than that, I don't think uh, I have much else I wanted to talk about. But uh, what about you? I'm trying to think. Uh, any other games? No, nothing. I thought Arkansas-Cincinnati was a good game. I thought Cincy gave them more of a run for their money than than I had anticipated. But, like, I still think – I, I, I kind of figured Arkansas was going was gonna to do what they did uh, in that game and come out on top. Yeah, so did I. Uh, I will say that me and you, uh, UConn and Rutgers, both won this week. So, that was uh, – Love to see. Yeah, we do love to see that. You're 2-0. and uh, I just really wish I could have seen UConn with uh, Roberson at quarterback for the whole year. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree about that. It, it, I was so bummed out when he got hurt, but it, it, it and it sucks because he was a transfer and it was it looked like he was going to be a very positive guy in the program. Won the starting QB job and there was a legit competition, but you know it, it just it's the, it's the way football is. It sucks sometimes that it happens, but now we got Zion Turner and you know they. I, I was happy about the win because they didn't go down to the wire with an FCS team. They did. They handled business and won by 25 points, which you should be doing. Yeah, I think this is going to be a substantially better UConn t- team under uh, what is it? Is it Moore, right? That's who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's the right hire. I think he's going to at least build them up to be respectable again, or not at rock bottom. Definitely, yeah. They, I, I think three and three and nine would be nice. It'll be tough, but it would be nice. I will take that this year. Yeah, because that's something you can build on. Yeah, definitely. That it's it, you, you can't just go right away and just win games. Like you can't go from Owen or uh, one eleven to to eleven and one right away. There, there's got to be some building blocks, and, and you know that's what Moore is doing right now, and, and he's the the right guy for that. But Rutgers blew one of my bets as well. I had I, I thought with Jerkovic coming back, I thought BC was going to be. A, a nice team to bet on this week. Not not at all. It was minus seven. I thought, yeah, they might cover. Fucking, they go out and lose. I was so upset about that one. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't bet on Rutgers. Or I would have bet on them to beat BC. But, um, yeah, hopefully. I saw we projected to go to a bowl game that t- takes – Brett Murphy does these every week, and even at week one. I know it's silly, but – our game's in Massachusetts. If it's up there, I'm definitely going. Because I've never been to Boston. If, I kind of want to go. If, if that, if they play in the Fenway Bowl, we gotta do. Uh, we gotta link up for that. Oh yeah, no, it'd be fun. It's in the middle of all of us too, because Eric's from New Jersey too, and Sonny's from yeah. New York, so we'd all be able to go. So, are you not able to bet on Rutgers because it's in state? It's New Jersey. 
Yeah, yeah, we camp at Rutgers in New Jersey. That's crazy. I, I with mass legalizing it, they made that the same for uh, like Boston College and stuff. So it, it's uh, it's it's weird that they're doing that. Um, I don't like fully understand it, but I I, I it's it's a weird rule. Definitely a weird rule. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I think it's just so you don't have inside information. It's easier to get like in contact with college athletes. Yeah, yeah. NFL player. Yeah, but, but I think uh, that's all we got for this week. Yeah, an exciting and uh, one of the a more one of the most exciting week ones I I can really remember. Um, in the past few years, got a lot of big games. Is there any game before we wrap up that really piques your interest for week two? Uh, you said it earlier. I really look forward to Florida Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be without their top three running backs, I think, because Chris Rodriguez is suspended. Uh, they brought a transfer in, uh, Ramon Jefferson. He's out for a few weeks. And then uh, their other running back is also week to week. So they're going to be on their fourth string running back going into the game. Yeah, I'd say that game. I'm excited for Texas-Bama to oh, yeah. watch Bama pick apart Ewers and your, just that entire Texas team. Um, and another game I'm kind of looking forward to as well is uh, – a weird one, but Pitt Tennessee. I feel like that could be a pretty good game, especially with Pitt having the close backyard brawl with with uh, West Virginia this past week. Yeah, I think that'll be a good game as well. Uh, there was one more I was thinking about, but I can't remember. Oh, it, it slipped my mind. Yeah, I, I, I know. I've lost it. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, that'll wrap up this week in college football, presented by CFB Talk Daily. This is our Week One recap. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, at the, towards the the back end of this week as we have our preview um, with with Eric and Sonny. So yeah, tune in for that, and thank you guys for listening.